Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast. Your source for sports entertainment. Incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. That's right, we are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter is how you get in touch with us. It's Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N. We love to hear from you guys. Go check us out at sportsgarden.com as well as listening to our show every single Sunday, 11 to 1 East Coast time, right up until kickoff all around the country, more than 100 stations in America. It is Want to bet? Weekend edition. And it is week two already. Yeah, we already have a week in the books. And we have the overreactions. Yeah, that's what we like to call it, right? The overreactions week. What what happens here, and we know that it happens all the time, is after week one, that's it. Throw your hands up. Everybody freaks out, right? Oh, no. Um, I had an absolutely amazing, amazing week. I went to Las Vegas. A lot of you guys follow me. Um, Check me out there. And, And... you know, it is a different vibe when you go to the sports casinos and you hang out in the sports books in the casinos all weekend long. You get a different vibe. You get the feel of the city. You get the feel of the sports better, the average sports better. You kind of get a pulse of what's going on. You get a pulse of everything, right? You kind of have that in you where you realize, okay, uh, maybe I could I could make some money off of this. I personally had an unbelievable weekend. Anybody that listened to the show, I tried to warn you guys about certain teams. I like the Bears plus seven. Yeah, I gave that out as one of my free plays. I gave the Pittsburgh Steelers to anybody that would listen on my Wanna Bet weekend show, Pittsburgh plus the seven. I told you guys the Houston Texans plus eight and a half. Then it went down to seven. I said, still take it at seven. I even told you Seattle, Monday Night Football, home underdog of a, nearly a touchdown. Jump on that. No, it was a great weekend for me. It was an absolutely fantastic weekend for the books, which means for most of you guys listening, it wasn't a good weekend for you, but we're going to try to correct that here. If you listen to me, it was a great weekend. If you didn't, well, it wasn't a good weekend. And it is always kind of funny and comical. I had a good conversation this weekend with my co-host from the Vegas show, (laughs) Tim, and we laughed and I said, you know, for years, I mean, years, I've just been making people money on the air, giving them plays, giving them angles, here you go. And the same guys that know that I've been doing this and the same guys that follow me uh, or follow my advice, but then they don't go and bet the games. And we had it happen this week. And all of a sudden, yeah, I like this, 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 and this. And, oh, man, Tom, you can't you can't take Houston. You got to be crazy. Ah, oh, come on. The Bears, they're terrible. You can't, you can't do it. Well, oh, okay, what do you take? I love New England. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, I love the Rams. Uh, yeah, how, how'd that work out for you? Packers are the way to go. So... You know, you got to listen to the advice, but you also have to capitalize on the advice that I'm giving you guys. I mean, you have to go out there and capitalize. So let's get right into it. 
Let's take a look at the week two lines, week two storylines. Coming out of week one, there is some interesting things. But going into week two here, there's some really interesting lines that are, that are put up. Uh, things that we have just, I mean, flat out just not seen before, right? The Detroit Lions have not been a favorite in 26 straight weeks now. They're a favorite this week. The next closest team, the New York Giants, have not been a favorite in 15 weeks. They're a favorite this week. So some interesting things that we haven't seen for a long time going down, and you could feel kind of the shift, but it all starts on Thursday night. This is the first Prime video game where you have to have Amazon Prime to jump and watch this game unless you live in Kansas City or you live with, you know, in Los Angeles and you're going to be able to watch it locally in the Chargers. It's a weird situation that the NFL kind of took this, and I'm veering off of the sports betting thing for a minute here because I, I think this is kind of getting a little brass balls-ish, kind of, right? Can I, is that even a word? I, the NFL knows that everybody loves them. Everybody knows that everyone follows them. Everybody knows, okay, you know, we are going to always be the king. Oh, but a lot of people aren't going to be able to watch this. Now, I'm somebody, I've had Amazon Prime forever because, look, my wife um, orders most of our stuff from Amazon Prime. And it is, listen, it's convenience. I don't know if I bought a Christmas present for the kids that was not Amazon Prime last year. So I don't care paying, what is it, about 150 bucks a year. I don't care paying that. And I automatically get the NFL games, and it's fine. I use uh, Amazon videos and, and you know, for my flights. I, I can't, I'm not bashing Amazon Prime here. But I think for people that don't use it often, and for people that are not, you know, Amazon customers or Prime customers, to kind of shut them out of Kansas City against the Chargers, which could be one of the games of the year, and now subsequently a lot of the Thursday night games, I think this is just a little too gutsy for the NFL to just be like, look, they're all going to buy it because we say so. And I think that this is the NFL kind of dipping their toe into the water of eventually they want the TV rights exclusively uh, for some games. I think that the NFL is going to partner with with teams, but eventually they're trying to look at this in a broader aspect. I don't know if it's going to be a good decision. I think that a lot of people are going to be shut out and they're going to be upset. I know just in New York, which is the biggest media market out there, People have missed a lot of New York Yankee games this year because a handful of games, I don't think it was any more than 20 games or so, but a handful of games were on Amazon Prime and a lot of people didn't get to see them. Again, I didn't have a problem with it. You know, a lot of people, uh, they were on Apple, Apple TV uh, is where they were. And, you know, people didn't get to see that. I, I have them all for whatever reason. I have everything, but I'm not complaining personally, but I do know a lot of people got shut out. And it, it's a shame that a game like this, some of the country may not be able to see just because of the direction that the NFL went down. So let's get into it, though. The Chiefs are three-and-a-half-point favorites against the Chargers last week. The Chargers uh, beating the Raiders in—it it, it was a revenge spot. They knocked him out of the playoffs last year, even though Justin Herbert didn't look fantastic in this game. He did look good enough. He had three touchdowns pretty early on. Uh, you could get, and I did take the over-two-and-a-half touchdowns, plus 150 for Justin Herbert, and I had over-two-and-a-half touchdowns, plus 160, for Patrick Mahomes, yeah, he threw five. There was no loss of Tyreek Hill. And this was this was the FU moment, wasn't it, for Patrick Mahomes? Wasn't this that moment that he was just going to say, look, everybody is just blowing this out of proportion. Like, I'm not a good quarterback without Tyreek Hill. Can we please stop with all that? Can we please stop? Um, the road team has won the last four meetings in this contest. Six different KC players last week were able to score a touchdown. So, 
Mahomes spread the ball around. Mahomes looked really good. And here's the thing. Everybody looks at Patrick Mahomes in September, and and their mind is just boggled. Because since he's taken over, he's 12-2 and in the month of September. 49 touchdowns. Um, it's unbelievable. It's over four touchdowns per game. He's averaged 330 yards, just under 330 passing yards in those 14 games. He's dominant in September. Everybody's kind of like, wow, how? How? How are they so good? Chiefs have also, also won six straight home openers. They're 11-2 and two in their first 13 primetime games. Here's why. Give Andy Reid extra time. I mean, as much as we want to go crazy about talking about Patrick Mahomes, as we should, give Andy Reid extra time. Andy Reid is the greatest coach in NFL history coming off of a bye week. Because when you give Andy Reid extra time, he beats you. So it only goes to say that he's going to be really good in September because you give Andy Reid extra time, which you gave him all offseason. He's going to put together things that you're just not going to be able to overcome. And it's shown here. We talk about the primetime games, 11-2 and in primetime games. Well, now this is a short week, but most of the primetime games that he does play and gives him a little extra time. It's the extra time that Andy Reid has that propels him up. Well, with that theory in mind, you would think with all these numbers about Kansas City, sure, Kansas City makes the obvious choice, but he doesn't have extra time in this game. He actually has less time. Now, does it carry over from the summer? Is this still the game plan to the summer? Or is this Andy Reid actually having less time and it being a problem here? Keenan Allen being out or potentially being out could be the impact play on the other side of this. Look, Austin Eckler is going to have a pretty good game. You know that that Williams and Palmer are going to have to step up if Allen's going to be out. I think Herbert has a good game. I think the Chargers have a better defense. But I can't take anybody but Kansas City at home in this spot. I don't like laying the three and a half. I think it's going to be a nip and tuck game. Uh, like I said, one of the best games of the year. I wonder about that Andy Reid angle, though. And that's one of the positions that I'm taking here is we're going to know. Is it a September carryover thing, or is it that Andy Reid didn't have enough time for this game? We go from that game to the game nobody wants to watch. The early Sunday games, 1 o'clock Eastern time. Joe Flacco is 17-3 and against the Browns as a starter. Uh, that was all with Baltimore. Do not read into this. Do not read into any of these things, right? I mean, that you, you don't. The New York Jets were pitiful last week. I know that they played close, and I know that the score was there. And I know people that were checking their scores because a lot of people had the Ravens in a survivor pool. <clears throat> Me, right? Um, you were getting nervous there, and you go, what's going on? Well, the second half was completely different. The second half, all of a sudden, um, you know, the Ravens just dominated the Jets. They, they just dominated. They started using Andrews. Lamar ran on. The Jets were bad. And Joe Flacco threw for over 300 yards, but he didn't look good out there. What is going to happen in this game is that Miles Garrett is going to come from the corner and Damian Clowney, and you're going to have to double-team one of them. The guy that you don't double-team is going to eat this team alive. Joe Flacco's not mobile in the pocket. Joe Flacco doesn't get around a lot. Joe Flacco's not a guy that, that can be mobility. He's going to have to go down and take the dump-off passes. Now, the dump-off passes can be successful against Cleveland as long as Joe Flacco doesn't get killed. And you look at the situation of, okay, well, you know what? They have to leave somebody into chip block. Well, that guy would probably be a rookie or a second-year guy. They're not the best at blocking these guys. I think Joe Flacco lives this day on his back. I think Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb absolutely run the ball effectively. But I don't know if I could give six and a half points to the Browns. It's opened up at four and a half. It's up to six and a half with Cleveland. It may get bigger than that during game time. You still have a weakness at quarterback. You still have a weak linebacking crew. You still have a Cleveland offensive line that did show some holes last week. And Amari Cooper is basically their number one receiver. For you fantasy players out there, you got about three fantasy points. 
I could see the Jets hanging in this one. I can't see them winning, but I can see them hanging in this one. How about Washington-Detroit? Another snooze fest game. Don't worry, the games will get better as the the, the hour goes on here. Washington-Detroit. Detroit is a favorite. Like I said, they are a favorite. They actually opened up as a one and a half point favorite. They're up to two, even two and a half in some spots. And people are on the Lions. Call this the hard knocks effect. Call this the effect of the Detroit Lions covering again. They were the best cover team in the league last year. They covered again late last week. They showed their fight. They showed their moxie. They showed their Dan Campbell. But they still lost. So you have to hope that they win this game. They can't just play close here. Carson Wentz looked good. Four touchdowns. He did have two picks, but he had four touchdowns. The Lions are going to have to combat what Carson Wentz can do, which is really effectively get the ball to the playmakers. And Antonio Gibson may have, quote-unquote, lost his job to Brian Robinson before the injury. Well, yeah, he looked really good. Terry McLaren has always looked good. Logan Thomas is another week removed from being injured. He actually had a couple of catches. He's the X factor. This offense has some weapons. My worry with Washington is the same worry that I had last week. Chase Young is still out. Their starting safety is still out. This team is still banged up, still hampered, still limping all over the field. And Detroit comes in relatively healthy. DeAndre Swift looked absolutely fantastic. you got to like the Jamal Williams situation. I still think that the Chark-St. Brown combo, they have offensive weapons. Here we go. The Detroit's defense let up 38 points. Can Detroit stop anyone? I think that this is one of the higher-scoring games of the day. You look at this as one of those games that you go, you know, I don't know if I'm going to watch it because there's not that much interest, but I may put a bet on it. And the bet that I would be putting on it, would be the total. And I would only touch the total in this spot. If you look at the big totals on the board this week, you have a 54 and a half in Kansas City. Uh, you know, you have you have increasingly large totals overall. This one is not quite 50. It is 49 and a half in some spots. You could still grab 48 and a half out there in some certain locations as well. I, I think that this is going to be a little bit of a shootout just because I think both defenses are beaten up and not doing well. How about Tampa, New Orleans? Both of these teams are supposed to have good defenses. Both of these offenses struggled, but both of them came away with a win. The Saints were done. I mean, they were absolutely done against Atlanta. Came back. Jameis Winston had a good fourth quarter. His whole day was garbage before this. But he had a good fourth quarter. The Tampa Bay Bucks come in as a three-point favorite. And that is just the three-point favorite because you are Tom Brady and you are the Bucks. Because if you read into this, Brady struggles against the Saints. Brady has played the Saints four times in the regular season. Now, they did win a playoff game, but he's played them four times in the regular season. He's gone 0-4. He has not won. But all of those losses have been by more than a touchdown. I mean, that's a problem. They also shut him out, okay, which is the only time in 15 years that Brady's ever been shut out. He hates this Saints defense. Hates them, hates them, and hates them some more. Here's the thing, though. Whole new coaching staff in New Orleans. So it's not the same defense. Yeah, they got the same uniforms on. Not exactly the same defense. That could be the difference maker. I think a lot of people are looking at this game as, hey, you know what? Brady always struggles against the Saints. It's just kind of the Saints. It is what it is. Uh, But there are a lot of changes there that we have to take into account. What I do know is that you can run on this Saints team. If you're the Bucs, you got to go heavy Leonard Fournette. And they did that last game. First of all, you still have the three offensive linemen that are out. And that showed last week. Micah Parsons went absolutely nuts. All right. The Saints allowed 200 yards on the ground to the Falcons. The Falcons, who literally just don't have a running back. They don't even have one. 
200 yards on the ground. And I know that Mariota had a big chunk of that. But it doesn't matter. You could run all over the Saints team. The Bucs, hey, Leonard Fournette rushed for 127. They did not have a good offensive game. But Leonard Fournette was the man. And I did tell you guys, because of the injuries to the up front, that offensive line, especially in the middle, Leonard Fournette would be the bell cow guy. He would be the absolute bell cow back over the course of the season, not only because of his running ability, but also because they're going to have to keep in a veteran to block. Remember, uh, Jones is playing, Ronald Jones is playing somewhere else because Tom Brady didn't trust his blocking. Well, he trusts Leonard Fournette blocking. He's going to be in there a lot for you fantasy players, for you prop players. Overs for Leonard Fournette this week make a lot of sense. And if the Tampa Bay Bucks are effectively able to run the ball against the Saints, they're going to win this game. I don't care about the 0-4. It's a different regime there. The 0-4 doesn't get me too scared. I don't like giving three points on a division game on the road. I don't like that in any spot. But this is one of those spots where you go, okay, it makes a little sense. Carolina against the Giants. Giants are at home. Giants, 15 weeks since they've been a favorite. Well, they're a favorite. Minus 2.5 here. They could go to 2-0. Brian Dable has given them a new life. But let's not get crazy about what happens in just a quarter. The Giants were dominated for three quarters against the Titans. Dominated. And then what happened? Well, all of a sudden, Saquon Barkley went absolutely nuts. He had almost 200 total yards against the Titans. At the end of the game, Brian Dable basically looked at Saquon Barkley and just said, okay, I trust nobody else on this team. The receivers are awful. Kenny Galladay can't catch a cold. Tony's been banged up. Uh, Bellinger is a tight end that didn't even have success in college. No, we trust nobody on this team, not even Daniel Jones for sure, uh, but we trust you, Saquon, and we're going to feed you the ball over and over and over and over and over again. And that's exactly what they did. Here's the problem for the Carolina Panthers. You know it's coming, but you can't stop it. They could not stop Nick Chubb last week. The Carolina Panthers showed some moxie. They showed some some leadership. Mayfield came all the way back, right? He, he kind of looked good finally in the fourth quarter after he struggled for most of the game. Mayfield didn't look good, and he came all the way back only to lose. Carolina's not main problem is not going to be, you know, the idea of, well, this is going to be a high-scoring game and we have to outscore them. Christian McCaffrey has to be involved more, but the Giants' defense is not the Cleveland Browns' defense. Cleveland Browns, for everybody hating them and everything out there, look, they're a good defensive team, and they've been a good defensive team for a while. Garrett, I mentioned, coming off the edge with, with uh, Clowney. You have a couple of good corners. That, that, that This Browns' team is pretty good. Carolina was able to make a little move on them late, and that gives me a little a little piece of, of my mind going, you know, I don't know if the Giants are ready to be favorites here. I, I believe in what Saquon can be when he is healthy, and I think he's finally healthy. I really like Brian Dable. I've always liked him his entire career. But I feel like this is one of those overreaction lines. Now, I'm not taking Carolina. It won't be on my card, okay? But I think that this is one of those overreaction lines. Every... <laughs> every Tuesday, really, uh, you have the overreactions, right? Every Monday, you have those. Here we go. What is the overreaction line? The New York Giants, because they came back late, had a couple of huge plays by Saquon Barkley, and instead of being dominated, they're now home favorites. What would have happened if Baker Mayfield would have led the comeback, which he almost did, and what would have happened if the Giants didn't have that miracle comeback and go for two with, with Brian Dable? If the Giants are 0-1 and Carolina's 1-0, what is this line? Carolina's definitely in the favorite, right? So I can't bank this on a, a couple of plays that could have gone one way or the other, and that's where I'm going to just say, oh, sure, the Giants are much more effective. If you like anything in this game, I do think both teams try to run the ball. 
I do think that both defenses are good. I like Chin. I, I like Leonard Williams had a really good week. Um, I, I, Chin had a pretty good week, and Brian Burns will get to the backfield. So if you like anything, maybe the under in this spot. I think it's a really tough game to play, but I do believe that this is one of those overreaction lines. All right, guys, let's take a quick timeout. Come on back. When we do, we'll go through the rest of the games right here on Wagering Week. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I bet you 20 bucks I can get to gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? Well, guys, the question comes in. What are the odds? How much is a quarterback worth? Yeah, look, we ask it all the time. How much is a quarterback worth? It's right around touchdown usually. But Dak Prescott, worth a little bit more than that. The Dallas Cowboys in the preseason were projected as week two favorite by one, one and a half points against the Cincinnati Bengals at home. Yes, now Dak Prescott is out. The Dallas Cowboys look terrible. Cincinnati came back and almost beat Pittsburgh. Cincinnati is now an eight-point road favorite against those Dallas Cowboys. That is what are the odds. All right, guys, let's go right back into it. Continue with the games here, New England and Pittsburgh. This is an interesting matchup. Look, New England is a one, one one-and-a-half point road favorite here against the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is one of those games that a couple of weeks ago, the lines came out, and I said, you know, I'm going to love Pittsburgh in this spot. I thought New England would at least play well with Miami, even if they did drop one in South Beach, which they normally do. I believe that the New England hype of how terrible their offense was just going to be a little bit overblown, and people would kind of come back to the idea that the New England Patriots, well, you know what, they're New England, and I was hoping to get this game at about a pick or so, maybe Pittsburgh a one, one-and-a-half point favorite. Uh, Pittsburgh, look, I had them last week. They were my big game. I told you guys that, plus a seven. I think they're perennially underrated. In this spot, though, at New England is all of a sudden the favorite, And I'm going, I don't know what's going on with this line. Look, I know T.J. Watt is out. And right now, Mac Jones is questionable with a back injury. He's going to play. Najee Harris is questionable with a foot injury. Looks like he's going to play. But T.J. Watt going out, look, this is massive. I always say you can't talk about somebody with such glory and, and praise and then them going out and you can't expect a downfall. I say this about coaches. I say this about quarterbacks all the time. You see people going, oh, you know, Sean Page greatest coach of all time, one of the top five coaches, and then he leaves New Orleans. People go, all right, I'm going to the Super Bowl this year. Well, no, it can't happen like that. So when you lose a guy like T.J. Watt, who is the best defensive player in football, it's got to impact you. But is it enough here to impact the line this much? I mean, wow. New England looked like pure garbage last week. Just like most of their reporters and all of the New England people that watched this team in the preseason said they were going to look. Pittsburgh got a win. Pittsburgh got a win because the defense was the defense. uh, T.J. Watt was absolutely unbelievable, but the defense as a whole was absolutely fantastic. The offense didn't do nearly anything. Now, late in that game, 
we did see Cincinnati come back. But they came back in that game when Cam Hayward was out of that game, when Najee Harris was out of that game, and when T.J. Watt was out of that game. They would not have come back and won had they been healthy. Or, well, they didn't win, but they would come back and, and even gotten that close if they had not been healthy. I'm torn here. Uh, this is one of those spots where you go, do I believe in history or do I believe in my eyes? Because history says Bill Belichick is not going to go 0-2. He's going to be able to correct some things. My eyes tell me Pittsburgh's a good team. My eyes tell me that this is going to be a defensive battle, a nip and tuck, huge defensive battle. And I want whoever's getting points, but I can't take Pittsburgh right now, not in the mess that they're at. Trubinsky did not look good. Um, I, I don't know about Harris. This is kind of one of those, wait for the injury report, but this is an evaluation game. If you like anything, I kind of like the under, but this is an evaluation game. Are the Pittsburgh Steelers really the Pittsburgh Steelers that we've seen year after year? And the Pittsburgh Steelers are really the Pittsburgh Steelers that we look at and we say, okay, they are going to fight for a playoff. Or, or is this the Pittsburgh Steelers team that a lot of pundits believed, yeah, we're going to take a step back this year. In New England, it's the same thing. Do you believe in Belichick? Do you believe that he can find this defense? Do you believe that everything's going to kind of come together in a spot like this? Or do you believe that New England's on the downturn and they just don't have enough to make up for it? This is an interesting scenario. This is one of those watch-and-see games, and I'm going to certainly take a lot from this game moving forward. All right, Indianapolis, Jacksonville. Well, the Colts, they are four-and-a-half or a five-point favorite. The Colts did not look good last week, but they did manage a tie. And a tie, we know what it feels like. It's not too good. All right. Jacksonville did look good for times in that game, especially late in that game, but they kind of gave the, the game away, and they came away with a loss. I could argue that Jacksonville played a lot better than Indianapolis last week, yet their records are quite different. The Colts, though, they haven't won in Jacksonville since 2014. Now, remember, they played there every year. They played there every year. Every year since 2014, they have lost. They have been the better team for a number of years here. They've also lost last year in the final week of the season when the Jacksonville Jaguars had nothing to play for. Indianapolis needed that win to get them into the playoffs, and they lost that game. Now, I get it that you have a new defensive staff out there in Indianapolis and you have a new head quarterback, but these are the same guys that couldn't get it done last year. They are also playing consecutive road games. Jacksonville here is at home. Doug Peterson is at home. I think we learned a little bit about the Jacksonville Jaguars last week, and they did play good defense for a little while. Their secondary is a concern, but they could get to the quarterback. Indianapolis, meanwhile, what did we learn last week? We knew that Jonathan Taylor was going to run well. We know Michael Pittman's going to be able to be the number one receiver. We already knew that. What I questioned from Indianapolis coming into the season was, how would their defense be without Shaquille Darius Leonard? And how would their defense be without the new head coach in Chicago, their defensive coordinator last year? How would they be? Well, I didn't love what I saw. Not that Houston's a juggernaut, but Houston had some success there. I didn't like what I saw in Indianapolis. I know it was that offense that was stalling. Why? Well, Mo Cox is your number two player. I think Indianapolis has a much better showing here, but I want the points. I want the points. If, I, if I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this and I'm going, you know, I believed in Jacksonville this year, then you almost have to take this game. Miami and Baltimore. Baltimore, three and a half point home favorites. Miami looked impressive last week. Everybody loves them, right? Tua looked good. Uh, Waddle had a huge touchdown catch, but it was Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill really did make a difference. Edmonds got the majority of the carries, but it was Hill getting peppered with pass after pass after pass. Defensively, Miami put on a good showing. Now, you can chalk a lot of that up to the offense of New England just being a bad offense, sure. Uh, but overall, Miami had a good showing. The Baltimore Ravens did not look good for a half, and then 
they wound up winning and winning convincingly. But they didn't look good for a half. This is a weird kind of spot here because I spoke to a Baltimore Ravens fan this week, and he brought up a great point. He was like, did Harbaugh empty the tank against the Jets? Meaning, did he show the playbook against the Jets, or was he saving it because he knew they were the Jets, because he knew Miami was coming up? A little bit of both, right? You have to question that. The Dolphins absolutely dominated the Raiders last year in their lone meeting. Lamar Jackson does really well in home openers. He's 3-0. The Ravens, they've won six straight. The Ravens are a good team and a good cover team early in the year. It goes for the preseason to early in the year. Harbaugh just prepares them really well. A subplot to all this, ladies and gentlemen, is a fun sports radio conversation to have. Because social media has gotten so ridiculous and social media is so out of control. You have to talk about this stuff. You just have to. And it's a fun conversation to have. Well, Lamar Jackson liked a photo. It was a Photoshop picture that was put out about two weeks ago on Twitter. It was a Photoshop picture of Lamar Jackson. And he liked the photo of him Photoshopped into a Dolphins uniform. So this is a nice little subplot here. Tua kind of the guy that nobody really believes in. Lamar Jackson is the guy that you look at and you go, yeah, they didn't pay him. He turned down big money. He feels like he needs to get paid. He's playing under the franchise tag. We've seen that go bad before. And now he's going out there and he's liking the photo of him in a Dolphins uniform. Ooh, oh, we have controversy. It's like a soap opera out there. Uh, On the field, look, I think that the Ravens do have more in the tank. I think that the Baltimore Ravens are going to be a better team as the year progresses. But I do worry about their running game. I worry about J.K. Dobbins not being in there. I worry about the fact that Edwards is not there. And I know that Lamar is the running back, and he's going to be the guy, right, with Mike Davis. But he's going to be the main running back. But I do worry about an offense that really just can't generate rushing yards from their running back against this Miami defense. I'm concerned. I think Baltimore wins the game. I just don't want to be laying the three and a half in this spot. As I said, you know, as the year progresses, I think Baltimore will get better. They will get healthier. Uh, Duvernay looks pretty decent. He's still the third option behind Andrews. And I think likely we'll get into the mix here. Bateman didn't really show out the way that I thought. The Baltimore defense was what I, I believed. Another game here, and I, I've mentioned this a couple of times, it's another game where I'm looking at it, I'm going, yeah, I kind of like the under, right? The under makes a little bit of sense in this spot as well. Miami's defense stepping up. I expect quite a few runs, obviously, out of Baltimore, who loves to run the ball anytime, anywhere, any day, and I do expect that. Baltimore will be a much better team as the year goes on. In the future, Baltimore will be better. Just not completely confident in this game. But since we're talking about the future, let's go bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet to the future. Okay, guys, let's go bet to the future. Bet to the future brings us to Lamar Jackson. What team will he be playing for for 2023? A couple of all shows give you that. And the Baltimore Ravens are minus 110 odds, basically flat there. The Dolphins, the team he liked a Photoshop of, plus 400. The Giants are 6-1. to one. Tampa Bay is 7-1. to one. Well, if Brady leaves, that makes a little sense. The Seahawks are 7-1. to one, And the field is 9-1. to one. That is bet to the future. I got to tell you, man, Lamar... I, I think that he's going to get franchise tagged twice. I, I think that the that the flat minus 110 makes a little sense. Now, you could argue the idea that the Baltimore Ravens are entering a really big draft here, 
and the draft is supposed to be chock-filled of real good, top-notch, first-round type of talented um, arms coming out and quarterbacks coming out. So maybe they go draft one. But they could draft one and keep Lamar there also. And I don't think Baltimore's going to be obviously bad enough where they're in the top five picks. Baltimore, even in a bad season, is probably going to pick in, what, the late teens or so? So, yeah, they could get their succession and they could kind of start grooming him. But they franchise tag Lamar one more year. They see what they could get out of him, that small Super Bowl window closing. I think the minus 110 makes a lot of sense. I think I think he's the Baltimore Ravens starting quarterback next season. Uh, so I, I don't mind laying the 110. Miami, I don't know if they're ready to, to kind of move on. I do think Giants will be ready to move on. And it's obvious so is Seattle. But Seattle and the Giants... Uh, notwithstanding both of their 1-0 records, but Seattle and the Giants both will probably be in a real good position to pick a draft pick. I, I mean, they're probably going to be in the top 10, I think it's very safe to say, uh, maybe the top 5, but 1-0 and 1-0. People in Seattle and New York are going to go, what are you talking about? We're winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, overreactions after week one. All right, let's go to Atlanta, Los Angeles. This was an opening line, and it opened up at 13.5. It's down to 10.5. So it was 13.5 before Atlanta played. People are so impressed with Marcus Mariota and his running ability. It's all the way down to 10.5. Or were they just that upset with the L.A. Rams? Look, it's Cooper Cup against everybody. I mean, that's what this is. It's Cooper Cup against everybody. The Rams just flat out cannot find anyone else. Allen Robinson didn't look good. Uh, you look at the running back, Akers didn't look good at all. Henderson didn't look good. And Matthew Stafford's kind of trying to find somebody else besides Cooper Cup. The defense also didn't look very good. A lot of things happen on week one. A lot of things happen at home when you get your rings and you get a banner raised. A lot of things happen when you face the, I mean, odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl and maybe the team that should have won it last year. A lot of things can happen. And that's what happened to the Rams. I am not making this out bigger than it was. The Rams just got blitzed. I mean, that that was it. Now they have extra days to prepare. They haven't played since Thursday. So they get a couple of extra days here to prepare for the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta looked good for a little while. Somehow Atlanta ran for 200 yards on the ground without a real running back. Atlanta won't be able to run for 200 yards on the ground. Marcus Mariota will not be able to do these kind of things. Drake London, Kyle Pitts wasn't even a part of the game plan, weirdly. With all that said, 10 and a half in the NFL, still 10 and a half in the NFL. And for years, for decades, decades, taking double-digit underdogs was the way to go. But the last couple of years, the numbers say double-digit underdogs, they're not paying what they used to pay at all. Still like having points, but this is not a spot where you just chalk it up and say, yeah, no, oh yeah, absolutely, taking the double-digit underdog. As a matter of fact, there's a pretty good streak out there um, where you look at and you go, oh, hold on a second. NFL underdogs, you bet an under with any underdog nine and a half or greater. And it's it's hitting it like just about 60% over the last 10 years or so. That's pretty incredible. Last year it hit 57%. Over the last three years, it's hitting 62%. Uh, over the last five years, 61%. Over the last uh, you know 10 years, it's about 59%. That's pretty incredible. So anytime you see a line over nine and a half, maybe go with the under. That would make sense here if you expect the Rams' defense to control the ball, if you expect Atlanta to not run for 200 yards again, which I fully do not think that this team is running for 200 yards. Yeah, my problem is that it's a lot of points to lay. I think the Rams should win. I think the Rams come up. They should win. It makes sense for them to dominate this game. Uh, It's a bounce-back mode. But I look at this team and I go, yeah, you could should all you want, but you've got to get something out of a running game, and they just flat-out don't have anything out of this running game. Seattle, San Francisco, 
San Francisco's eight and a half. Well, it's the same kind of situation. Seattle, short week, playing a division rival. But what do we make about San Francisco? What do we make about Seattle? What do you make about this? Eli Mitchell is going to be down, so it's going to be Jeff Wilson back there and a collection of people, but it's going to be Jeff Wilson. Um, it also means Debo Samuel, who is basically a running back here, right? I mean, that's what this is going to mean. Seattle looked really good on Monday night in, in spurts. You know, you look at DK Metcalf. Oh, yeah, yeah, a bunch of catches. I had like 35 yards, okay? Geno Smith played real good real-life football. Uh, but didn't Denver move the ball really well? Didn't Denver control the ball all night long? Denver moved the ball up and down. He had a fumble at the, the goal line, basically, by Melvin Gordon. He had a fumble at the goal line, basically, by, by Williams. They moved the ball. They just kind of couldn't punch it in against the Seattle defense. That doesn't mean the Seattle defense is good. They're still missing Bobby Wagner. They're still missing K.J. Wright. They're still bad on that second level, and that second level is where San Francisco can take advantage if you believe in a guy like Jeff Wilson. If Eli Mitchell was in here, I'd feel much better. And we have to watch the status of George Kittle. I said it last week in the San Francisco against Chicago, and this is why I like Chicago. Because George Kittle, you can't look at George Kittle as just, well, you know what, he's going to be, we're going to miss his six catchers or so. No, you look at him because he was the most dominant tight end blocking-wise, and he had a young quarterback behind him. That is an impressive thing to now lose. If Kittle is back, San Francisco played in a muddy, disgusting conditions. I watched the entire game. They basically controlled the game, but the Bears got the win. You got to like San Francisco to bounce back here. I don't know if I can lay eight and a half division rivalry game. It's going to be tough. This is this is not going to be a cakewalk, but I think you have to lean San Fran. We spoke about during what are the odds. Cincinnati Bengals are now minus eight against the Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott's down. They did not put him on injured reserve, which is interesting, but he's probably going to miss six to eight weeks, they said. So it's the Cooper Rush show. Cooper Rush is going to be the guy, and you look at Dallas and you go, even if Dak was in there, are they going to win this game? Dak Prescott has, certainly has problems. First of all, Dallas's offensive line did not look very good. The running back situation, okay, it was against Tampa. They do a good job against every running back, but that's got to be better. Dalton Schultz is going to be the number two receiving option. Well, you got to treat him like one. And C.D. Lamb, my problem with him, I traded him away in a dynasty league um, because I just I, I didn't think he was going to have a good year this year, and I'm in a win-now mode. C.D. Lamb is a guy that had never been a number one receiver in the NFL. People were just expecting him to fill into that number one receiver's role. The problem is he doesn't have a number two. So they were able to double him all night and completely suffocate him. I worry about this Dallas offense. I really do. I don't know if this Dallas offense can generate anything. Cincinnati, meanwhile, well, their offense, it took a while to get going, right? Uh, Joe Burrow missed a lot of time in camp. I alluded to that when we talked about our season preview and especially the week one previews. You look at their team dynamic. Last year, it was the Joe Mixon show for the first 10, 12 games, and then it became let's throw it all over the field. T. Higgins is out with a concussion. I'm not sure if he's coming back for this game. A lot of moving parts here. You have to take Cincinnati. Even on the road, you got to look at Cincinnati. Just don't know if I'm comfortable laying eight points with a Bengals team that is good, but just really got schooled by Pittsburgh in one giant aspect. And that was a lot of mistakes because of a good defensive rush. Well, Dallas has a good defensive rush. I know that Tampa Bay was missing three offensive linemen. But, I mean, Micah Parsons was living in the backfield, guys. He's just that good. And Jamar Chase on Tavon Diggs, that's going to be a real interesting one-on-one -on -one battle as well. So I'm leaning Cincinnati, but I don't love the game. We just talked about the Denver Broncos. We talked about them getting down there. Russell Wilson, that whole mistake 
we, we spoke about this. They are a 10-point favorite, which they should be at home against the Houston Texans. The Denver Broncos are much better when, than what you saw on Monday night. But I will say, when we did our previews, and a lot of people like the Broncos to win the Super Bowl, a lot of people like the Broncos to go very far this year. And when we did our previews, I sat back and I told you guys, I didn't like Denver. It wasn't that I didn't like Russell Wilson. And I love Judy and I like Sutton. And I, I, I absolutely think that Javante Williams is going to have a massive year. And Melvin Gordon's really good. I like everything they're bringing to the table, even on the other side. You know, I think they have one of the best corners in the league. I think Bradley Chubb coming off the edge, being healthy now is going to be effective. Everything that Denver did, I like. I like everything Denver did. But I don't like their head coach. And I mentioned it time and time again this summer. I said he's a clown. He's going to be the undoing of this team. Don't be surprised if he's the first guy fired. Look, the Broncos are 0-1. The Broncos are 0-1 because of their head coach. Their head coach had a guy that they paid like a billion dollars to in Russell Wilson sitting there, a future Hall of Famer. You need five yards. Instead, we're going to go for a 64-yard field goal, not in Denver, which is would be the only guy to ever do that, ever I just think it was an atrocious decision. Decision-making means something in the NFL. I often talk about how coaches in the NBA mean nothing to me. Coaches in Major League Baseball, you can either be really good, really bad, but most guys, like 25 guys, are in the middle. Uh, in, in the NFL, it means everything. And he is a bad coach. I don't know if I want to be laying double digits with a bad coach, especially against the Houston Texans. The Texans are just that fighting kind of team. You remember what the Lions were last year? Well, late in the year last year, the Texans were that team, and it's carried over here. I like David Mills. I think he's a good quarterback. I've said that for a long time. I think that you have Cooks, and you have Nico Collins, and you have Brevin Jordan, and you have some players on offense here that you like. But the downfall of Houston is going to be the two main components that Denver actually excels at. And that is Houston can't run the ball, 2.7 yards per uh, rushing attempt last year, last week, which was terrible, okay? Denver is going to be able to suffocate that. And Houston's defense fell apart late. They played good, right? Lovey put together a game plan, but eventually talent won out. I don't think this is going to be the shootout that people believe. I think that, you know, Denver will be able to still move the ball. But to me, it's the running game. Last week, I said, if Denver goes into this season and they try to let Russ cook and let this be the Russell Wilson show, let him throw it all over the field and let keep the ball in Russ's hands. If they did that, I said they were going to be in a lot of trouble because Russ has to get away from his ego. Russ had to kind of step back and Russ had to be the guy that you look at and you go, okay, you're going to be secondary to a dynamic, dynamic running game and a running game that I really, really think that can be very dynamic and, and very impressive. Um, well, what happened against Seattle? And this was one of my concerns. Russ wanted to be the guy, right? Hey, you pay me to be the guy. Let me be the guy kind of thing. And Russ wanted to be the guy. Well, Russ was the guy, and they lost the game. They did not run the ball effective enough at all. They didn't even have enough attempts at all. Here's a game where I think that Denver is going to settle it down. Yeah, Russ is going to get his numbers because he's going to always get his numbers. But I think that this team can run all over Houston. I think Javante Williams does have a big game. I think Melvin Gordon has a big game for you fantasy guys out there. The splits were fine. Um, it's about 55-45 in favor of Williams, but he got a lot of the passing attempts. He got 12 looks out of the backfield, so he's kind of the passing down guy, which really gives him a boost. I think the Broncos win, but the 10 points is a little juicy. How about Arizona, Las Vegas? Raiders fans were not too happy about the performance. Look, Derek Carr looked good, right? I mean, Derek Carr looked looked very good, and Raiders are three and a half point favorites at home at times. Right? At times, he looked very bad 
at times as well. Derek Carr made some costly, costly mistakes in that game. And you know that Devontae Adams had a nice line, but I don't like how the offense was run. And this is one of the questions. Would there be enough targets to go around? Derek Carr is focusing on one guy and one guy only, and it's all about Devontae Adams. It's the Devontae Adams show. Josh McDaniels, in his career, has fizzled out a number of times. Josh McDaniels came into this game with a weak running game. His number two option was a banged-up tight end, and he didn't use Hunter Renfro enough. It was all Adam. uh, I mean, it was just Devontae, 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 and more Devontae. That's what this game became. I I think you could win games in the NFL with a combination of Derek Carr going to Devontae Adams 10, 12 times, 140 yards. You could win games in the NFL like that. But you can't win consistent games in the NFL like that. Defensively, Crosby and Jones, they look good early. Late in the game, you kind of probably used them a little bit. Waller didn't look healthy. He didn't look like his normal self. On the other side, the Arizona Cardinals... Kind of what I expected from them. I am not a fan of Arizona this year. They did lose Chandler Jones. They lost some key defensive players. I think their offensive line is weak. Outside of James Conner, who is a between-the-tackle runner, they don't really have much offense at all. Hopkins is suspended. I don't believe in Hollywood Brown. Zach Ertz was banged up. But it's all about Kyla Murray and a coach that I don't think should be a coach in the NFL. And that's Cliff Kingsbury. Kyler Murray is a solid quarterback, okay? I don't think he's any better than being called solid. I don't think he's this amazing quarterback. He's solid. Same thing with Derek Carr. He's solid. Solid quarterback. Top 15 for sure. Top 10. Maybe. Let's talk. I think they're both very solid. It's what are they going to do with their missing parts in a lot of these situations to overcome that. The Raiders defensively are better than the Cardinals, okay? And the Raiders and Cardinals coaches both might be the undoing of these teams this year. But the Raiders are better defensively. You can look at the offenses. I think they're they're similar. I think the Raiders have a slight edge. But I'm going on defense here. I think that Jones wants to prove something to Arizona. I think Jones and Crosby live in the backfield. They're going to chase Kyler Murray around. Yeah, he can create with his legs, but they're going to chase him around. I think the Raiders get the win here. I just don't feel real comfortable after watching them laying three and a half or laying anything in this spot. Chicago and Green Bay. Well, here we go. The Green Bay Packers are nine and a half point favorites on Sunday night football in a similar spot. What do we know? We know that Aaron Rodgers beats up on the Green Bay, on the uh, Chicago Bears. He owns them. He said he owned them, right? Matt LaFleur is 6 0 against the Chicago Bears. They usually win by about 12 and a half points per game. They absolutely own them. Aaron Rodgers is back at home. Aaron Rodgers doesn't lose home games. Aaron Rodgers does not lose regular season home games in, in Lambeau. Aaron Rodgers does not lose regular season games in prime time. Aaron Rodgers doesn't lose a lot of regular season games. I mean, that's just reality. But this is a new Bears team, isn't it? And they showed kind of what they can be last week. Justin Fields is there. And Justin Fields give them energy. Uh, you know, you got Fluce and Coach Fluce is there. And, oh, hey, he's a, he's a kind of a player's coach. And they kind of love him. Defensive-minded guy. I said last week that the Bears were being underrated in a lot of spots, and I think that this line is determining it. The Green Bay Packers could do nothing against Minnesota last week, and Minnesota's defense is solid, not great. They could do nothing. They can't get a passing game together, and Aaron Rodgers, in typical Aaron Rodgers fashion, stood up in front of the podium and blamed everybody else but himself. He blamed the offensive line. He blamed black blocking schemes and everything. But he's got a little point here because he was missing two offensive linemen. Watch the offensive linemen here. If both offensive linemen, including Bakiari, play in this game, Green Green Bay could certainly cover the number. But if not, here's another spot where the Chicago Bears, in an ugly situation, could win another ugly game. They don't care how ugly it is. The Bears can do this because they have the defensive players to do it, and they're going to have to run the ball, which I think you could do against Green Bay a lot more than pass it. 
Minnesota and Philadelphia. The Eagles minus two at home. Philadelphia last week, look, they had a huge lead, almost let it go, but they did get out of there with a with a victory. Minnesota did go and beat Green Bay. They were at home, and we saw the new-look Eagles and the new-look Vikings. Well, the Vikings have a new look because they have a new head coach. They're playing in a system now that Justin Jefferson is going to explode every single week, and he absolutely did explode last week. Dalvin Cook ran for four and a half yards per carry as well. Minnesota looked really good. Daniil Hunter is the difference maker on that defense. And even him, oh man, he you know showed out and he looked like that guy. But there are some problems in Minnesota. Some problems in Minnesota because Kirk Cousins in two and nine all-time Monday night games, and both of those wins did come against the Chicago Bears when the Bears were a down organization. The Minnesota Vikings also, yeah, you can score, but who's your secondary receiver? Do- uh, Dobson didn't step up. Uh, KJ Osborne didn't step up, uh, and and Adam Thielen did not step up. Not sure they have that number two receiver, which means the corners from Philly and the safety can certainly double up, even triple up Jefferson, even if he's in that Cooper Cup mode of being able to kind of separate double teams. He still can be doubled up. Minnesota's secondary, also a little bit of a concern for me on the Eagles side of things. Well, the Eagles ran the ball effectively. Can you believe it? Sanders actually got goal line carries. Jalen Hurts looked pretty good in this one. A couple of missed opportunities early, but overall, Brown looked great with his new team. Eagles offense looked great. The Eagles defense, I was raving about them. I thought the Eagles defense was going to be fantastic. I love everybody that they brought in. Here comes the Eagles defense, and they looked very good for a little while. And then the wheels came falling off. We could maybe say they were just not prepared. Maybe they called the dogs off. Maybe their heads were not in it for week one, whatever it might be. I've said time and time again, I don't like the Eagles head coach, and I blame the almost comeback on him. But they are 1-0. They are coming home. They do have good uh, defensive players that they went out and got. And their offense is pretty explosive. Philly should be minus two. But this is a coin flip game. I like both of these teams as playoff teams. I actually have three prop bets or futures bets um, on these two teams combined. I liked both of them for overs for the team totals. I like Minnesota to potentially steal this division. So I am all in on both of these teams. I think this is a fun watch. This is going to be a tough one. But the earlier Monday night game, Tennessee at Buffalo, this line was seven before they played Sunday's games. It's now 10, a solid 10 with the Buffalo Bills up in Orchard Park. The Bills, look, they lost three games at home last season, right? And the Titans have won the last two. So it's not out of the question that Tennessee could come in here and win this. And don't only look at the results. The Tennessee Titans absolutely were dominating the New York Giants. They just fell apart at the end. But here's the thing when you're talking about sports betting. I could talk about X's and O's. I could talk about matchups. I could tell you that the Buffalo Bills can be run on and Derrick Henry's going to get the carries. And I could tell you that last week the Tennessee Titans just decided to pull off the dogs. I don't know why they did not want to sit back and just run uh, Derrick Henry into the ground. No, they didn't want to do that. Probably the reason they lost. Yeah, I I could go with all of that. For me, guys, this is a, a, a simple thing of do you believe in emotion? Because if you believe in emotion, you're laying the 10 points and you have no problem doing it. You have absolutely no problem doing it. You have no problem doing any of this because you're going all in. You have no problem at all because the Buffalo Bills last year lost to the Titans. They lost to the Titans in prime time. They lost to the Titans where Josh Allen had what he has been considered as one of the biggest flubs of his career. He kind of fumbled the ball at the one-yard line in an easy win situation. The Buffalo Bills emotions over the offseason, we all went back to Kansas City, and we talked about that Kansas City loss and how they had to change the rules for it in the playoffs. 
But you talk to the Buffalo Bills, and quite a few of them said, went out and mentioned that Tennessee game. It was on their heads. It was on their minds. Tennessee, that Tennessee game. Oh, that Tennessee. Yeah, that one bothered them. Here we go. At home, they have an opportunity to step up and correct that. And they have an opportunity to step up and correct it against a Tennessee team that is floundering. Tennessee team that lost their best offensive player in Brown after Derrick Henry. A Tennessee team that lost their best defensive player in Harold Landry just before the season. I think this is one of the Buffalo spots where they have extra days to prepare, but they have extra days to remember you know what? We were embarrassed by this team. We have to go out there and beat them. Josh Allen has not been embarrassed in the NFL often, and he was last year. That was a lot on him. I think Josh Allen has an absolutely fantastic game. And yeah, you got to go Buffalo or nothing in this spot, even laying the big number. I, I got it at 7 because I loved it so much. I knew about the revenge factor. Nobody else is going to get it at 7 anymore. This one continues to rise as the week goes on. All right, guys, it's going to do it for me. Week number two. Oh, go out there and enjoy it, everybody. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.